Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Sturkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Amen. Good morning. Great to see you this morning. So glad you're here on this uh, rainy Sunday morning. Uh, You came out and I'm telling you, God has a message for you today because all of us in here can identify with what James is going to talk about. So I want you to be finding in your Bible the book of James. Last week we really launched strong in that, covered a verse. This week we're going to cover a few more verses. And I'll promise you, if you engage, if you dial in and listen for the Holy Spirit, he has a message for you today. The title of the message is called Forged. And uh, I was thumbing through the channels several months back. And on History Channel, I think it was, I saw this show called Forged. You may have seen it. And they take a piece of scrap metal and they really work. It's really cool for a guy, maybe girls, ladies, you like watching it too. But at the end of the show, they've got something that's amazing. And, and, and it dawned on me. And James is going to tell us today that that's what God is doing. He's forging you, not forging as in counterfeit. He's forging it as if by definition to make or shape something by heating, beating, and repeating. And sometimes that's what it feels like in the hands of an almighty God. Even for those of us, as James is going to identify his his, uh, audience last week, brothers and sisters, Christians, those of us who are born again in Jesus, children of God, it feels it's this life can be difficult. This life can have suffering and pain and moments and seasons where it just is not fun. Now, watch this. This is a universal truth. If you agree with what I just said, say amen. If you don't agree, you're on drugs, okay? You missed the boat because we're all in this thing together and it is part of this thing called life. And James is going to help us understand that the trials, the tests, the troubles of our life uh, are brought on uh, by the enemy as temptations for us to reject God. And God wants to turn those so that they become tools of God uh, that used for good and 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 it comes this this truth comes out early in scripture in genesis chapter 50 verse 22 joseph had been sold into slavery by his family because they were jealous he goes through prison anyway at the end of the day he gets to be the prime minister to save a nation and his family and he said this about the evil the suffering the, the the difficulty in his life he said in genesis 50 22 what others intend for evil God will use for good. And I want to tell you today that if you're in a trial, if you're in trouble, if you feel like you're being tested, God will take that if you'll let him and use it for good. That's what he does. Now, the key to understanding uh, this concept is threefold. First, you've got to learn to expect trials and tests because they're coming. Just go ahead and expect them. That way you're not surprised, caught off guard. The second thing is you need to discern them when they show up. And then the third thing, you need to be a good student, you need to learn fast, okay? Learn the lesson fast from the test. There was a young man, he went to college, and and he took an exam, he got his exam back, he got a zero. And he was frustrated, so he went to the professor, he said, hey, professor, I, I, I got this exam back, this test, I got a zero, I don't think I deserved a zero. And the professor looked at him, he says, I don't, I don't think you deserved a zero, but it's the lowest grade I had. Now, sometimes in the hands of God, when we have a test or a trial or trouble, God gives us a zero because that's the lowest grade he has. And so we need to learn to uh, acknowledge the tests, the temptations, the trials that are in our life, or excuse me, the troubles, the tests, and the trials. Acknowledge them, 
okay, discern them and then learn from them so we don't just stay in them and it's not this perpetual repetitive process in the hands of God. And so on the back of your worship guide, the first point I want to identify today or go through today is this, joy through our trials. Joy through our trials. This is a difficult passage, man. James launched last week. He says, hey, I'm James. I am the doulos, the bondservant, the slave of the Lord Jesus Christ and God. And I'm writing to the, to the uh, Jews uh, dispersed because of persecution. And so this is what he says. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. Huh? He's saying count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. He's speaking to a people in persecution. You see, the, the Jewish people, they would be Messianic Jews, Jews who did accept and acknowledge Jesus was the prophesied Messiah. And they embraced him and they were born again and they left their Jewish tradition. And when they did that, the Jews who rejected Jesus as Messiah, it was an onslaught of persecution against the, nation of, against the Messianic Jews. And so what did that persecution look like? They, would, they were dispersed, they were running, and they would, be, they would hunt them down and torture them, beat them, and then ultimately they would find themselves not just persecuted by other Jews, but persecuted by Rome to the place where their bodies, if they were Christians, would be impaled on a, on a wooden stake and ignited. Their bodies would be ignited to burn to light the, 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 the highway to the Colosseum. Now that's persecution. That's persecution. And so James is writing to them. 2,000 years ago, he's writing to you, and he's writing to me. And he wants to help us understand that we are to have joy through our trials. And so, uh, do you ever feel like you leave one trial only to find yourself in another trial? It, 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 he says, when you encounter them. Now, he's not talking about finding joy when you invite your own trials. He's not talking about count it all joy when you just jump into a trial because you're an idiot. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the trials where one day life seems to be good. And maybe it's a conversation, maybe a text message, maybe a news flash, maybe uh, a, a phone call. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a test, in trouble, and in a trial. That's what he's talking about. When you just stumble into, that's what it is, that's the Greek word, when you stumble into this thing, when one minute you're not in it and the next minute you are, he says, I want you to count it all joy. Now, how do you do that? Well, the word count, it doesn't mean put a smile on your face, yippee, here comes another trial, bring on another one. That's not what he's talking about. He's, what he's saying is the word count it all is an accounting term. It means to calculate the value of it and to determine the purpose of it. He's saying consider it in depth. Don't just take it as a trial and be miserable and bitter about it. Evaluate it. Calculate what it really means. And then through that, he says the word is passed to consider it entirely and totally Joy, and the word joy is kara, which means a cause for rejoicing. Now, I'm telling you, this is against the grain. When you enter a trial in your life, and it hurts, man, it just stinks. You're in pain, you're suffering, you, it's miserable. James is going to say, listen, in that moment, you calculate the value, and you count it joy through the trial. He's not saying embrace and love the trial. He's saying embrace and love what God wants to use as a result and an end game 
to your trial. You see, when Satan brings a temptation into your life to bring you down, God wants to change that temptation into a trial and into a test to bring you up, to develop you. God changes the, 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 the initial um, reason that, that this situation is in your life. He's speaking to a people who were in the middle of it. Now, watch this, point number two, the reality of your trials. So you got joy in your trials. How are we going to have joy in our trials? Next, we're going to look at the reality of our trials. He says, when you fall into all sorts of trials. He doesn't say if. He doesn't say, oh, by chance, if one of you out of all the many of you has a trial. He says, when you fall into a trial. Trials are a part of our life. And the word fall into means just to stumble. As I said, it's just to encounter. But, but be, be clear that we're going to have trials. I want you to know in this group today, as you sit there in your seat, there's three groups of people. Some of you just came out of a trial. And in just coming out of the trial, James says, count it all joy. How can you count it all? You can rejoice. <laughs> you survived. Okay? The other group of people, you're in a trial right now. How can you rejoice? You get to rejoice because you know what that trial is. You've already determined what the trial is. You've got, you're at play with this trial. And, and I want you to know, Jesus is with you in the trial. And so you can count it all joy. You can consider or calculate the value to rejoice in it because Jesus is with you in it. And I'll show you something beautiful about that in just a minute. But the third group of people that are in here just now, you didn't just come through a trial. You're not in a trial. <laughs> this is the worst group of all. You got one in the chamber headed in your direction. That's the people we need to pray for because you can't plan for it. You can't study for it. You don't know what it's going to be. See, the others have already come through it or they at least know what it is. You're exposed. You're standing there naked with nothing. Okay? It's bad news. Now, even for you, you can count it all joy because now you know when that trial arrives, you know ahead of time that you can say, I'm going to rejoice in it because although this was sent by the enemy, God is going to use it for good, just like Joseph said. And so how we respond to it matters. Uh, if I ask this, I'm going to ask this, I'm going to ask this question. Show of hands. How many of you have know that you've been in a test or trial in the last six months? You know you've been in a test or trial. I want you to look around because you're not alone. This is encouraging. It's why we have church. Thank you. You can put your hands down. One reason God created the family of God, meeting together as the church of God, the ecclesia, is because God wants you, his children, to be able to come together and identify with other people so that you don't feel like you're an, on an island of suffering to yourself. You can come to church and find people, one who maybe all of a sudden you realize they're trialful. I got a good one. I'm glad I didn't get that one. You know? And the other, the other reason is because when we come together with other people, we can find help to walk through this trial because maybe other people have encountered or had trials or tests similar to the ones that you're going through. Now, you may be here today and you say, well, now, pastor, you know, that all sounds good and everything, but I don't like it. I don't like trials. I don't like suffering. I'm not going to follow your teaching as a preacher. I'm going to follow the guy on TV because I heard this guy on TV the other day and he told me that there's power in my words. And if I simply use the words and, and, and state and confess trouble, trials, sickness, 
uh, you stay away from me and I claim it in Jesus' name. If I do that, I'm not going to have trials and troubles and suffering in my life. You ready? That guy's a liar. I'm just telling you. You can believe him if you want to, but it doesn't make what he's saying true. Trials, tests, troubles are as real as the air we breathe. In fact, let me just show you a few of the vast array of scriptures that help us understand that we have trials. Job 5-7, you better believe he got it. He says, man is born unto trouble like the sparks fly upward. You ever stick a stick in a fire, poof? He says that's what trouble looks like for a person in this world. Job 14-1, he says, man born of woman. (laughs) That pretty much includes all of you. Now, I realize today there's some confusion about that. But he says, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Psalm 22, 11, the psalmist says, Be not far from me, God, for trouble surrounds me. And Jesus weighed in in Matthew 6, 34. He says, So then, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. Trouble, test, trials is a reality. Look at your neighbor and say, It's real, in case they're confused. Now, Here's what he's going to say about this. He says, when you encounter various trials, that word we've seen before in Scripture in the Greek is poikilos, and it, it means variegated, multi-flavored, or multicolored. You know what he's saying? He said trials and troubles are not all just alike. We don't all have the same trial and the same trouble and the same test. They're all different flavors. The enemy watches our life and he picks the best flavor for us. The one that might affect us the most. And so he says they are coming in different colors. I'm reminded of Baskin Robbins in the initials, BR. You see the number. You remember how many flavors? 31. But if you really want to talk about real ice cream, we'll go to Brewster's. You know what I'm saying? You may be a marble slab, frou-frou ice cream person. I'm a Brewster guy, Okay. Now, here's what we do. Kendra and I go to Brewster's, and uh, I order the most manly thing on there, okay? Proud to order it. I say, I would like the chocolate raspberry truffle in a waffle cone. You can't say that manly, so I say, that would be for my wife. And then I say, what do you want? She's not, she's, she's adventuresome. I picked that because I like that. It was good last time and the time before. And the time before and the time before, it's going to be good this time. I know what to expect. I'm planning for it. Kendra, no, 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 no. She's going to survey the list and look for something new. Hey, 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 hey. I want the chocolate chip, chocolate chunk, chocolate ice cream. And then she says, ask them what's in it. I'll tell you what's in it. Diabetes is in that. And the lines forming behind me, I have to quiz the master of the ice cream to find out what's in it. I know what's in it. Chocolate chunk, chocolate chip, chocolate. That's what's in it. Yeah, but sometimes they make it with vanilla ice cream. You know I'm telling the truth. I love you. You know it's true. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm getting Mr. Man ice cream, chocolate raspberry truffle and a waffle cone. Now, here's the thing. Our trials, our tests, and our troubles are poikilos. They're multi-flavored and multicolored. We don't pick it. We get the flavor of the day. 
Whatever the enemy throws at us and whatever God wants to, 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 to move from a temptation to a test to make us to use it for our benefit, it's the flavor of the day. We don't get to say, God, I'll take that same test because I, I got a B plus on it last time. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Give me that same test because I'm going to get an A on it this time. No, no, God doesn't do that. It's a new test. It's the flavor of the day all to make you more of who he wants you to. To be, and so I was thinking about this, and I saw this show, and 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 it and it dawned on me, forged man. This is what it looks like sometimes. This is what our life looks like in, in trials, in trouble, and in test. Okay, we're bringing the gloves out. Okay, here's what it looks like. Our life looks like this sometimes, just kind of a, a rusty, nasty useless discarded piece of scrap metal once upon a time maybe had some value but in the world's economy useless and of no value and what God does is he reaches into that valueless useless discarded existence and he changes it he changes it by introducing it to trials tests and troubles now, what does that look like? It ain't fun. That's what it looks like. And so what he does is he, he places you before the world system. And he says, the only way that that is going to ever conform to what I want it to conform is I'm going to have to expose it to some heat. Or maybe not. I'm going to put some heat on it. Have you ever in your life felt like this? Like you're just under the heat of it, man. I mean, you can feel it. It's just, it's on you. And it feels like it's doing damage on you. It doesn't feel like it's beneficial. It just burns. And, and, and God is, what does this look like? What does this look like? This looks like a conversation. This looks like a relationship trial. You've been married for a couple of years and you realize your wife just doesn't really consider and value your needs like she should. You realize your husband, he's just mean. I married him because I love him. He's He's full of hate. He's ugly. He says some ugly stuff. And so all of a sudden, you're in the fire of it. You feel the trial. You feel the test. You feel the trouble. And then the fire goes away. And about the time the fire goes away, you realize the only reason for the fire was to soften you so at the craftsman's hands, you can begin to be pounded into submission. You ever feel like after you get out of one trial, you move into another one? This one feels like you just went to the doctor, and the doctor did a test, and he determined that you've got some variation, some poikilos of cancer. Or maybe he just determined that something deep in your heart is wrong, and you've got an issue that, that's going to be a problem for you. Or maybe he just, you just found out that you've got diabetes. Or maybe you just found out, and man, it's just pounding on you. And all of a sudden, you realize, okay... I get it. And so I've been through the fire, the trial of the relationship. And now I'm in the trial, a physical trial. I just heard from, I just heard from the doctor. And all of a sudden, okay, God, I'm getting in everything. And about that time, Mr. Fire shows up. Another fiery trial. This one maybe comes in, in, in a physical form. You just lost your job. You're living for Jesus. You're tithing, giving 10%. You just lost your job. Or maybe the bills just aren't, in, aren't meeting at the end of the month. And so you feel the fire of it. And about the time you feel like you're learning a valuable lesson, you realize just when you thought that last hammer hurt, 
you, wasn't as, you didn't learn as much as you were supposed to. So this one, God brings out a bigger hammer. Okay, and all of a sudden, now you have a wayward child. You have a child that's struggling in school. You have a child who's made the wrong decisions. Now they're addicted to substance or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, your life just feels like you're just being beaten in the ground by a bigger hammer. See, all the while, God is using this stuff to form you and to fashion you and to shape you into something that you're not. And so then you feel like everything is going to be better now only to find yourself on lockdown because you're not listening well. Now all of a sudden your next trial puts you in stationary mode where you can't run from it. It is right there. He's got your attention because you are locked down. And in this, now he begins, he's already shaped you a little bit, but now he's going to start work refining you a little bit. Now he's going to come along and he's going to start grinding on you and working on you and really crafting you and forming you into something that you're supposed to be, and it still hurts. And maybe, maybe this trial is different than any other trial that you've had. Maybe this trial is anxiety, fear, the unknowns of the future. All the while, the trials just keep coming. He just keeps working and working and working and working. Now, in the middle of that, you look in the mirror, and you feel like, the other end, you feel like you look just like you did yesterday. I mean, you look in the mirror and you say, okay, I'm going through this thing, and I don't like it. And the pastor, because of James... The half-brother of Jesus, he's telling me I need to count it all joy when I encounter these various poikilos trials, okay? I'm no, I don't feel like I'm changing, and I'm still under the trial. I want you to know God is at work, and it really doesn't matter at this point what you feel like. Now, what I want to show you something is beautiful is when all of that is happening, I've never seen this before in my life, and I hope you hadn't because it's beautiful. He says, when you encounter, when you stumble into, when you find yourself in this variegated, multicolor, multi-flavored trial, what do you do? Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, listen to what he says. He says, just as each of you received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards, are you ready, of the poikilos, same Greek word. The varied grace of God. Man, that is so cool. You know what that's saying? When God allows a test, trouble, or a trial to be in your life, and it's very colored, it's multidimensional, he's standing there with a very colored, multidimensional grace to go with it. That's so good. I want you to get that. If you're in a trial today, you take your trial to Jesus and say, I need some of that flavor of the day grace to go with my flavor of the day trial. And he will show up. He will show up and he will show you why it is you're in a trial and what it is he wants to accomplish through it. Number three. Number three, we've got joy in the trial. Joy through the trial, reality of our trial. Number three, growing in our trials. This is why you have trials in your life. This is why you have tests in your life. God is wanting you to grow through them. He's wanting to develop you, not destroy you. In verse 3, James weighs in. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith, what? 
produces endurance. And let endurance then have its perfect effect so that you will be perfect and complete, not deficient in anything. Man, the reason God allows tests, trials, and troubles in your life, he's wanting to perfect you. You're not perfect. Jesus is perfect. The Bible says we're predestined to conform to the image of Jesus. God's goal for me as the pastor, God's goal for you as people who attend this church, God's goal is the same, that we conform to the image of Jesus, that we act like Jesus, that we talk like Jesus, that we serve like Jesus, that we have hope for the future like Jesus, that we help other people to God like Jesus. That's God's goal for you. And as long as we don't get the memo, as long as we refuse to conform as children of God, the trials are going to keep on coming because he's always in the refining process. It's not like God is some cosmic killjoy looking from heaven with the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And he's saying, oh, do you see the pastor down there? He's like enjoying what he's doing. It's like he loves his family. It's like he loves his church. He loves us. Whoa, he's not supposed to be happy. Okay, let's just send him a curveball, knock him on his rear end so he'll be miserable like he's supposed to be as a Christian. That's not what he does. That's not what it is. God sends those into my joy-filled, happy world, not because he doesn't want me to be joy-filled and happy, because he wants me to be perfected. And there's a big difference. And so God sends these things to perfect us and to make us more of what we should be. It reveals the true nature the true quality, and the true character of our faith. You see, in the first century, Rome and Greece were notorious for really amazing sculptures, right? And often they would be carved out of marble, and they were amazing. There's some of them still exist. They're they're ridiculous. How they do that, I don't know. Michelangelo carved King David. They asked Michelangelo, how did you know what to chip away? He said, if it didn't look like King David, I chipped it off. That's what God does. If we don't look like Jesus, he chips it off. Now, what would happen, there were amazing, perfect sculptures. And then there were like the guys who were just learning, just got out of sculpting school. You know, like the cosmetology school, you get a jacked up haircut, you know, because they just learn it. And so they would be sculpting this uh, statue out of marble. And in the process of chipping, they chipped the wrong place at the wrong time at the wrong impact. And the whole eyebrow just fell off. Or maybe, you know, he's standing there like this and they chipped a little too much right here and pink finger fell off. You know, ain't nobody wants a four-fingered, eyebrow-missing statue standing in your arena, okay? So what they would do is they would take these blemished statues and they would take marble dust and mix it with wax. When nobody was looking, man, they'd form him a good-looking finger, fix the eyebrow. Now he's ready, okay? But there's only one problem with that. When that statue was exposed to fire or high temperature or heat, the finger would begin to droop and the eyebrow would come down and the heat would reveal the integrity of that statue and reveal the blemishes. That's what God does with our tests, our trials, and our troubles. He's revealing our weaknesses, our blemishes, our shortcomings, the things in our life that don't look like Jesus. That's his goal with the trials in our life. And if we, the sooner we learn that, the sooner we can respond better to it, and the sooner we can learn our lesson well. How do I know 
that every trial and every test and every bit of trouble in your life and in my life and in our life is used by God for good things because the Bible told me so. In Romans chapter 8, 28, it says, and we know that all things, everybody say all things. Everybody say everything. Everybody say all of it. What does it do? It works together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. He's the master. He's working it all together for your good. If you're a, if you're a born again Christian, if you're a child of God, he's working it together for good. You may not see it, but he sees it because he sees tomorrow and tomorrow's tomorrow and he works it together. He's like a a master baker with all these various trials and troubles. They're all parts of his masterpiece. A master baker, you, you might hire a master baker one day, your daughter's getting married, and man, you, you, you just want the cake to be amazing. And you find out that there's a great baker, and you go to him, and he says, yeah, I'll do your cake, but you know, it's a, it's a $6,000 cake. Man, that's a lot of money for a cake, but it's my daughter, and I'm going to do it. And he says, well, I want you to know this is no ordinary cake. I want you to see what's in it. And so he goes over and he brings out this table and he says, I want you to know I'm putting this sugar in it. Open your mouth. And he shoves a tablespoon of sugar in your mouth and you're like, Dis disgusting. And he says, good, right? Well, no, not really. Well, try this. I, flour. I have the best flour. It's imported flour. Open your mouth. Tablespoon of flour. Can I get a drink over here? Okay. You don't like the flour? No, I don't like the flour. Oh, well, this will help you. This will, this will wet your appetite in your mouth a little bit. Open your mouth, and he takes a bottle of oil and pours oil down your throat. That'll lubricate you, okay? Still disgusting, nauseating, in fact. Okay, well, this is going to make it better. This is where the flavor comes by. You wanted a vanilla cake? So here, I'm going to give you a teaspoon of vanilla extract. Put that in your mouth. Oh, that's delicious, okay? And he just gives you all these ingredients. Oh, you're not satisfied? Open your mouth. This is the best in ingredient. Changes everything. Egg. Boom. Okay. Now, nobody around my said, man, that was, that was an amazing experience. I just love that. That's what trials are. They're ingredients to a masterpiece. You see, and, and what happens is God is putting all of those ingredients together at the right proportion, at the right time, stirred, blended well, and then he takes it and he puts it in the heat. And he lets it rise and develop. And what comes out of the heat is this beautiful, delicious masterpiece of a cake that satisfies everybody that attends the wedding. That's what he wants from your life. He wants to take all of the stuff that you have in your life and work it together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You are, your life is a collection of ingredients in the hands of the master and he's making something beautiful from your life sometimes we feel like okay I'll go with that but I kind of feel like he forgot me in the oven the ingredients are there but I've been baking way too long I mean it's time the buzzer hadn't sounded but it's time for me to come out no it's not no it's not you come out when he's ready for you to come out in fact, this is what Philippians 1.6 says. Be confident of this very thing. 
that God who has begun a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He hadn't forgotten you. You are a work, a masterpiece in progress. He wants to make you not lacking or deficient in anything. You see, often without the toil, without the disturbance, without the uncomfort, we don't experience or become everything that we should. A.W. Tozier, who's a great author and a theologian, this is what he says. He's talking about farming. He says, a lazy field rests unattended and undisturbed. It does not feel the breaking of the ground from the plow. It's comfortable. But in its comfort, it's unproductive, and it is not maximizing its ultimate purpose. He said, but nature's wonder follows the plow. Isn't that cool? A field out there, untoiled, untilled, unplowed, is not, is not being utilized to its maximum potential. The... Uh, the the wonder of nature follows the disturbance of that comfortable ground. I want you to know the wonder of God follows the disturbance of the comfort zone in our life. I want you to know that. You may be hurting today. You may be in the middle of the hammer. You may be in the middle of the fire. You may feel like you've been in the oven way too long. I want you to know if you are a child of God, He's got you in his hand and he's working something beautiful. And for every bit of that variated trial, he's got some variated grace sufficient to carry you to the other side. So what if we can't understand? What if like, pastor, I've been asking. God, I don't, I've asked God, I don't know why I'm this. This seems like I've been in it way too long and I don't, I'm not, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to learn. James is going to help us. Number four, wisdom regarding our trials. Verse 5, James says, now if anyone is deficient in wisdom, he should ask God. I had a conversation this week and they said, and they were in a trial. They're in a trial. And she said, I just, I know it's wrong, but I, I've just been asking God why. I interrupted. I said, listen, listen, listen. It is not wrong for you to ask God why. I want you to know, church, you asking God why, you're asking the right person. Okay? The, the reason why that's so important, because some people, rather than ask God why, they blame God. And I want you to know the trials and troubles and tests of this life are not a product of a non-existent bad God. They are all a product of a fallen world. God comes along, holds us in his hand, and walks through this fallen world and leads us to a better life right through the middle of the trial. And so he says, let him ask, because God gives generously and without reprimand. God's not going to punch you in the nose because you ask too many questions. He's big enough for all of your questions. He's the right source to ask. Verse 6 says, but he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed around by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, since he's double mi a double-minded individual, unstable in all his ways. And so sometimes when we hit these moments, we start asking questions like, why do, God, why do bad things happen to good people? Not a good question, we ain't good people. <laughs> We're saved people. We're righteous people in Jesus, but of, of ourselves, there's no good people. Scripture says there's none righteous, none good, no, not one. 
And so we ask the wrong question. But it's a fair question to say, but God, I'm trying to live for you here. I'm, I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm, I'm trying to be devoted to, to you and to the things of you. And I'm still in the middle of the trial. Ask those questions. And God will give generously wisdom to know why you're in what you are in. I remember years and years ago, Kendra and I were, were much younger. And, uh, and she had a little situation. And we went to the doctor. And it was an Indian doctor. And we sat down, and he says, uh, Kendra, he said, you have colon cancer. And she said, oh, okay. And he said, did you hear what I said? And she said, yeah, you said I had cancer in my colon. And he said, well, you're not responding like most people. She said, she careered it. She said, I trust God, and if he's allowing me to have cancer, I'm sure one way or the other he'll see me through it. And I was like, Go, girl. He says, well, that's amazing. So he said, I need you to go down and get prepared for another test. We walked around the corner and Ken went. <laughs> I said, what happened to super Christian woman? You know, it just kind of set in on her, okay? Listen, in those moments, in those seasons, in those chapters, I want you to know God is doing something. That was a long time ago, wasn't it, baby? Okay. Now, we've had other episodes Different trials, very colored, poikilos. God's colored grace is always sufficient for our colored trials. Okay? You just got to find it, and he'll show it to you. It's the wisdom that he offers. Matthew 7, 7, we talked about it. He says, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Now, I want to explain. There's a vast chasm of difference between knowledge and wisdom. We live in a world that's about knowledge, right? You got to go to school. You got to get all A's. You got to go to college. Tim and I just finished our, finished our doctorate degree. Ain't we something special? Okay? It's knowledge. Knowledge without wisdom is really not that valuable. Now, let me explain the difference. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. Understanding is the interpretation of information. Wisdom is the application of information knowledge is knowing the truth wisdom is knowing how to use the truth knowledge is truthful wisdom is useful knowledge fills your mind wisdom steers your life knowledge is theoretical wisdom is practical knowledge is about information wisdom is about transformation knowledge finds the problems and wisdom applies the solutions James says you don't need knowledge you need wisdom about how to navigate through this. And he will give it abundantly. Just this week, I had a trial in my life. It's a trial day. Just a trial day. You had some too. I'm not belly aching, whining, complaining. Okay. Uh, I got a phone call from somebody, and uh, I'm, I'm repairing a house for my daughter and had about six inches of water in the basement because a pump failed. There's your little trial. Get to squeegee. And the rubber boots. Right in the middle of that, working through all that, I had to deal with an absolute lunatic of a situation and a person. Just, I had to walk through it. Just walk through it. Just foolishness of the devil. Okay? I'm preparing a message. I'm the preacher. I'm supposed to be, get, I'm supposed to trial. I'm supposed to walk through it. And I did. 
I did. I, I feel like I got an A for the day. I didn't, I didn't lose my cool. I didn't, didn't use no dirty words or nothing. I just squeegeed and went on. And, and so I kind of made it through the trial, and I did. I had done my journal that morning. You know, I'm a journaler now. Did my journal, and everything's good. And I got in the car to drive back over here to the church. And I was coming down the road, and a bald eagle flew about 15 feet from my vehicle right across my windshield. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not some, you know, Indian nature teller, you know, white scalp bird fly close to a window, mean good day, you know. I'm not that guy, but I am this guy. I am this guy. When I'm trying to live for God, God will show himself to me. God reveals himself. Oh, you're a bird lover. No, I'm a God lover. In Scripture, I'm reminded of Romans. Romans tells us in Scripture that, that all the, the invisible nature of God is revealed through the visible attributes of his creation. I'm mindful of that. I'm mindful of that God says he will meet us in our time of trouble. I'm mindful of that God. And I'm telling you, when you're in a trial, you want to get an A on that test and move on to another one. Not to be exempt from any future trials or troubles, but to move on from that one. Learn your lesson well, and God will give you wisdom. And when you get that wisdom, he'll show you himself and remind you that he's been with you through it all the way. And so we finish with this, we're going to skip a few, a few verses down to verse 12. A reward for our trials. A reward for our trials. Verse 12 says, happy is the one who endures testing. Because when he has proven to be genuine, he will receive the crown that is life. That's how it's actually worded. That God promised to those who love him. God now in our life is preparing us for the completion of our faith. God now is testing us about our commitment to our faith. God now is proving to others the reality of our faith. God now is using everything to perfect our faith. When we're in a trial, and I'm talking about an ugly one, we realize what matters most. And we begin to have this keen awareness of the stuff that we often put on the top of our totem pole of value. And we're mindful that all of that, all of that stuff one day, the Bible says, will just be burned up in another fire, the fire of judgment. And it'll just be wood, hay, and stubble. And Scripture says that some of us will come out on the other side of our, the refiner's fire. All that stuff will be burned away. And some of us will just be standing there naked, smelling like smoke. But for the rest of us, we can live our lives now like James, enslaved to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Counting it all joy finding a reason to see the blessing of the trials and the troubles and the test because God is working on us. And one day we receive the Stephanos, the crown that is life. And it will never be tarnished. It will never be taken away. It will never be blemished. All of that beating and banging and firing and grinding and all that hurt and pain and suffering. God is at work 
working on us, making a useful tool of himself for us to do battle against the enemy in this world. What started as a useless, valueless, rusty, ugly piece of steel, God is forming it into something beautiful in the master's hands. In Isaiah 54, 17, it says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their rightness is of me, saith the Lord. God wants to take an old piece of scrap and form it into a powerful weapon to be used against the enemy in this world that we live in. In that passage, it says, happy is the person. The Greek word is markarios. It's happy, full of joy is the person. I have a friend, and she loves Jesus. And her, she's of humble means, and she's been through a lot of trials in her life, a lot of tests. And she stays in a test and a trial even now. But if you ask her, hey, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. That's a good answer. She claims that in the middle of her trial. And so she serves, she works, she serves other people, she helps other people. And one of the people that she helps, she helps a, uh, somebody who was a senior adult fighting off being put into an assisted living home. And she would take care of his needs. She would cook for him and clean for him and all that. And... A couple of weeks ago, he called her in and he said, hey, it's time. I need to go be in assisted living. But I just want to tell you, you've, you've been good to me. You've taken care of me and, and I appreciate it. You've given me my independence for a longer period of time. And I just want to tell you I love you and I appreciate you and I want to give you a gift. So he handed her an envelope and she opened the envelope and it was $25,000. <laughs> Happy now, I'm not going to tell you who it is because I don't want some of you bumming any money off of her. You can go get your own blessing and get happy yourself. Okay? Here's my point. In the middle of our trials, we can either look at our trial or we can look above it to the one who walks through the trial with us. We can either grab on to our trial and just wrestle it ourselves or reach up and hold the hand of the master who will use that trial and walk us through it for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And at the end of it, we get eternal life. And along the way, he'll bless us along the way. It's not just eternal. Eternal life begins the moment you surrender to Jesus. The fulfillment of that is when Jesus returns to get us or calls us home. I want you to know today we live in a world of hurt because the world is broken. God is the redeemer of brokenness. And he does it one life at a time, one day at a time, one trial at a time. But he's at work doing something beautiful. And I want to encourage you to pursue God for wisdom and understanding what it is He's wanting to teach you so that you can now 
conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for your scripture. I don't really have anything, God, but your word. And it is so unbelievably beautiful. God, that you would reach into our scrap metal lives, our rusty, dirty, valueless lives, and begin to do a work. Sometimes, God, that work is hard. Sometimes that work hurts. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it feels like we're just suffering. But God, help us know that we are a work in progress in the hands of the Master. Help us learn well. Help us learn fast. Help us be aware that there's always trials and troubles headed our way so that we can navigate them with you. God, if there's someone here this morning who has heard maybe about Jesus or maybe not, and and they feel distant from this truth and distant from you, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would invite their soul into your presence and into your kingdom. And God, I pray that they would receive your grace gift for salvation. God, I pray that they would give themselves to you, not just as Savior, to get out of an eternity in a place called hell, but to surrender themselves to you as Lord, as master, as slave, and begin to conform to the image of Christ. And God, for the rest of us, that maybe we've already done that, but maybe we're in that trial. Help us be mindful that a trial is not a revelation that you are non-existent or that you're bad. A trial is a revelation that you are at work in our life, making us who it is you want us to be. God, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. I thank you for every individual and every family that's in this place today. I pray your blessing upon them, God. I pray that they will move closer to you with every coming day. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast, and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.